You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Tessa. Hello, how are you guys? Tessa, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Okay, so I am a um, I'm a librarian and a fellow podcaster from History Told by Idiots. I live in a little tiny, tiny town in eastern Kentucky. You can probably hear it in my accent. And um, I like to play music. I'm a dog lover. I have a corgi. What else you want to know? I'm an open book. I'm telling you, the, like, like, a, like a librarian should be an open book. We're bringing a book reference in. Totally. A, that wasn't even meant. I didn't even mean for that to happen. But it's, it's funny because okay. like I've had a librarian in the past. Um, He's known as the well-seasoned librarian. But uh, that's his Instagram. He just talks about a lot of writing and a lot of things about culture, which really comes down to books. I love books. Honestly, I give librarians a big respect in my opinion because it does take a lot especially you have some kid like myself that moves books into the wrong section that you have to go by the freaking dewey decimal system which i learned in school thinking that was going to be a major influence into my life and it had no reference for it whatsoever i don't ever use it um it's important though plus you get to learn a lot i mean especially like the weirdest thing is when this covid stuff happened librarians like we're out of business too and i was like that's so weird because like that's you're technically really a guardian of our knowledge in a way we uh we had to close for a couple i think that we rose to the public for maybe three or four weeks but all that we did was take everything we already do and move it online so i do children's story time it moved online uh, we have all kinds of online resources and stuff that people didn't really even know that we had so now they're kind of aware of that and we've just had to we've had to adapt we've had to adapt but now uh now we're kind of opening back up and seeing people come back in but i do programming for all ages but still no programming in the building which is sad but we've just adapted we do everything online i guess but i would rather have a paper book in my hand yeah rather than an ebook that's just me. I mean, I'm, I'm that type of way too. I think you get more from a book when like you're able to actually see this. Plus, if you can, you can Google anything on the internet, but unless you're Googling exactly what you're specified for, like Google might give you a result. Like, were you trying to figure out if Raisin Bran uh, causes stomach cancer? Then maybe you can look in this. Like they'll give you those options or avenues, but like in a book, it's more defined and more detailed. I would say like, it's giving you things you wouldn't even think about. Like I, um, when I was working out a lot and I promised I wouldn't mention this anymore, but like still kind of am, but the factor of, I wanted to figure out what around the bones, the anatomy of the human body, the digestive system, all the internal stuff, the stuff I couldn't see, the stuff I couldn't really work out where I was like, how could I take my workout to a different program by enhancing myself in the knowledge of the capabilities of the body. And I started looking at like different muscles and everything. And I'm making like weird, like 
kind of like fingers and pointing and looking at it and like, oh God, like you could see that dude's, that's what a hamstring looks like. Like it, it was cool to see that because then it would tell me instead of looking up, like if I grabbed a book telling me, here you go. This is like, if you look up anything on the internet, for instance, if you look up vegan diet, it's going to give you everything that you should be eating to be vegan. Okay. If you get a book on a vegan diet, it's going to tell you everything you should be eating that's vegan. And also the things that it's going to do to your body. And it's going to give you five other different avenues of information that the internet wouldn't provide you because you clicked on an article that was written by someone that is only giving you that information that you legit ask for. I want to know other stuff. I want opinions. When I get a review for a movie, I want to hear a bunch of people talk about it. I want to hear from a bunch of different sources. I want to get a bunch of different information and scenes because one person could be like i hate it when adam sandler acts like himself in all of his movies and it's like okay well is there anything you liked about the movie and then like you start finding out there's other scenes that are really good about it they just didn't like that one part it's kind of like that with books they're giving you they're giving you a bunch of different information a bunch of different sources rather than when you look up on the internet for instance you probably from being at a library this is where the podcast led in. So you're grabbing books about history and you're like, holy shit, it's really interesting. With the internet, it's going to give you a different avenue. If somebody Googles something, such as like I used to do a podcast where we talk about specific topics about history about the i know so much about 19th century victorian surgery. A lot of my knowledge does come from Wikipedia, but it is like it led me down these avenues because like, would you also, would you also, would you also, and then you click it and you're like, oh my God, there's more information to the main thing, which your podcast does a great, amazing thing is you probably also get your information off books as well. Yes, definitely. Because um, you can hop on the internet and you can find information about a topic but who's to say that it's all correct? Just because it's on the internet doesn't mean that it's true. So I like to I like to pull stuff from books too. Um, we kind of get our research from several places. I think it was Neil Gaiman that said like, Google can give you 10,000 answers, but a librarian can bring you the right one. And that's about how I feel about it. So that's a perfect statement. Mm -hmm. It is a perfect statement and it's true. I. Okay, so I'm, I want to I want to know what did you find fascinating, or what do you find fascinating specifically in history, and then what is one that you uncovered through doing the podcast? Oh, okay, so well, I enjoy the kind of um, dark side of history. I think that is very fascinating, morbidly fascinating. I guess you could say. I've always liked history, but in things that you had no idea that, uh, for example, we're getting ready to release an episode about um, babies that were displayed in incubators at a sideshow on Coney Island, but, and you think, oh, those poor kids, but it helped them to survive because their parents couldn't afford medical care. This was before the incubator was available in hospitals, so this man just set up a bunch of incubators, charged people you know, so many cents for uh, entrance into the exhibit where they could see these tiny babies in their incubators. But all of the funding that they paid would go straight back into the care of the infants. And so like, I don't, hundreds of little tiny premature babies survived because of this guy and his sideshow act. Did you know that? 
I need to pick better friends because I'm telling you, when I was doing my other podcast, all my friends kept tossing out dumbass ideas to look up where I like, I can tell you that, did you know sliced bread was banned in America for a, a short period of time during war efforts? Because apparently trying to slice it and then package it took way more time and really was wasteful. So we were like, no more slicing bread, it's banned. So then people had to slice it at home. And then people are like, this is fucking exhausting. Like that was no, an episode I, I did. Yeah, like that was an episode I did. <laughs> I didn't know that. We did do an episode about food and how they used to put jello in all of the weird things, you know. Like, what do you mean? Uh, I think it was called I think it was called aspic, but you would take like meat and gelatin and like peas and carrots and you would mold it and make it into food that looks absolutely terrible. I just remembered so many of my cartoons being like, "Hey, I put a I put your stapler in jello." It's like, "Okay, that makes sense now." Yeah, yeah. So that, that's where that came from. It looks it looks awful like full hamburgers they would stick inside of a no thank you are you more surprised <laughs> at like scientific stuff that comes in through history like how we've evolved from there or are you more like like you said dark dark things so a lot of that kind of does like a lot of my mind does lead to a lot of dark stuff through history that has been going on um and especially stuff getting exposed now with like bohemian grove oh, that's conspiracy route yeah i know I, everyone's like oh god he's talking about it again um but when it comes to the factor of like i like the weird stuff that's like how was this even i could understand their train of thought but it's so stupid to think like cornflakes was invented to prevent masturbation and you're like what the fuck like <laughs> i'm not a scientist but i want to know the process of how he got all those people to believe that i know he told them that bland food would uh would help with with that with that problem that makes sense though <laughs> The way, like, it's like, are they really, really onto something or are they just really good wordsmiths? Because I think to be a good wordsmith is like being a political figure. You need. One. Oh, totally. Oh, totally. It's so it's so weird. Um, I love reading about like medical history and stuff, too. My sister's a doctor. My mom's a nurse. Everybody in my family is in the medical field, save for me, pretty much. But. I love to read about medical history and some of the stuff they used to do, like, let's just slap all these leeches on their body and then cut them to bleed them. And, you know, and it's, they're going to be, they're going to be fine. It's going to be, be a, it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a great time. Uh, they're going to be fine. My favorite is I, I was reading uh, this article. There's a thing called death by coconut. So there's been like a lot of deaths by people like from coconuts. And one was a suicide with a coconut. And I was like, how does a dude, like it's either was labeled a suicide or a murder. I think it was labeled murder for like a long time until then they were like qualified it as suicide. A guy was on an island and this would be me 100%. I know this would happen. I would be that guy in the movie that would die this way. He grabbed his gun and he tried to crack open a coconut and it fired off into his stomach. <laughs> yeah. Genius or madman? <laughs> Maybe both. <laughs> That's unfortunate. <laughs> it's just so it, it's just interesting to me to learn about history and the way that we used to do things that you kind of know since the way that they used to do things like 
you don't feel good, let's put you in this big old bath of ice water for a while or, you know, in this sauna, we can sweat the crazy out of you. Kind of like it's kind of wild. I think that we did a whole episode about it. We did. Um, there's a the common fix for uh, schizophrenia for a very long time. I just think recently it got disbanded was electroconvulsive therapy, ECT. And that's like, holy shit, like we haven't found a better way to do this, but just the workings of it were so freaking amazing that the fact that you could be able to stimulate or shock somebody's brain when they would experience these things, kind of like if you reach for a candy bar and somebody's going to shock you every time you do it, next thing you know, it's going to train your body never to reach for a candy bar because you might expect shock. That's some pretty smart thinking for back then. It's just weird how we haven't revolutionized some stuff for a very long time, but like, um, what do you call it? Like, yeah. I look at alternate history as well. What would happen if this was actually a thing and it actually became a major influence into our society? Like if we zigged and could have zagged like uh, Nikola Tesla, very, very amazing scientist, but everyone gives him shit because he married a pigeon. Okay. But he was also the one that had the first idea for a death ray. And also like, I mean, come on, like what happens if that was a thing? If somebody decided to hone in all of our research, Nikola Tesla became, you know, vice president or something. Next thing you know, we have a death ray. We might have an alien blast or not maybe something from the movies, but something from a larger scale that could annihilate somebody uh, with a gamma rays. And who would we have used to annihilate? That's the thing. And yeah, I, I agree with you. Alternate history is, uh, it's interesting to think of things that would have happened. It's so, it's just interesting to me that one little decision could completely, what is that? Is that the butterfly effect? One little yeah. uh, decision or, or action can change, completely alter the course of the future. So it's interesting. Um, we're kind of toying around this, this dude contacted us about maybe reading his book that was about um, like an alternate history within the civil war. And I was like, uh, I don't really know that I want to go down that route. <laughs> um, yeah. It's with, hard to, with the civil with, war with managing a history podcast, probably difficult to not come across maybe something that isn't real, maybe something that was created like a script or a story. Cause a lot of times I'm reading a story and it's like, is this actually, is this a person that actually experienced this? And then you look it up and Google it and that person never even existed. Um, right. Which is weird because like I did my other podcast, um, it's gotten more reactions than this one has, which is fucking nuts because I stopped that one a long time ago and only had like 10 episodes or something. But I did um, one on Project Cold Feet, which um, it's a really interesting. I was so into government shit back then. Like, I mean, I'm still into it, um, but more about the government projects. Like, I can't believe this was in a major movie. This should be a movie or something. But uh, we had a base in, uh, I think, Antarctica that was like, it was a Russia a Russian like secret military base, but it had broken off from the ice and it had floated into other people's territories. So it was floating into China's territory. Then it was floating into America's territory. So we were trying to figure out a way that we can get the information on that ice base without infringing onto another person's waters, because that's, 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 that's treason. That's going against whatever that's, you know, breaking international water, their core that they have. So, Every time we're all waiting for this ice base, come on, come on, 
come over here. And it's just drifting right into the America side. Then they had to time it because it would drift back. So they had to be on that thing for that amount of time and hurry up and get off of it before it floated in. So it was like all these people fighting. And somebody had commented on that video I made like a year later saying, I did the book on this guy who went on this ice base who has passed away. And thank you, because a lot of people don't know about this amazing thing he did. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what? I, I do another podcast if you want to be on it. Like, that's, that's my whole mindset. Like, it was like, but that's information you find out from reading. Like, you don't get that from Google's not going to show you that. Google's going to show you how do you look at your butt in the mirror. Like, that's a, uh, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. What jeans should you wear to make your butt look better in the mirror? Yeah. I wasn't uh, talking about like standing up on the sink and looking right into the hole, but I got, you go there. <laughs> I didn't know that. Firstly of all, um, the whole thing with the with the iceberg. So I'm gonna have to look that up. That's pretty cool. It's called Project um, Cold Feet. Project Cold Feet. The way when you were talking about you know putting the information out there and people believe you know is this real? Did this really happen? It reminds me of uh, War of the Worlds when they originally broadcasted it on the radio and everybody was in a complete panic because. They thought the aliens were invading and that we were all going to die, but it was just misinformation. I mean, not really misinformation, but they didn't know. And so it kind of makes you wary of what you put out there on the Internet, because I don't want to be the one that gives somebody false information, especially with being a librarian. That's like double bad. That's like a librarian sin. Yeah, I mean, would you go to book hell? That's a. Maybe, <laughs> or that just—it's just, it's be just all... this endless, this endless room of all the books that kids have pulled off the shelf and put back in the bad, in like the weird places, and you and, have to organize them. <laughs> and every time you organize it, like you put the book on the shelf and you're almost finished, it just all of it gets like one of those little uh, those straps, the Velcro things that sucks right back to where it was originally. That would suck. Yep. Oh gosh, yeah. Right now it's awful because we have to we have to quarantine everything that comes back in for a week, all the materials. And then after they have sat for a week, then we have to take them out and lay them flat and spray them with sanitizer, wait for them to dry, then flip them over, spray them with sanitizer some more, and then we can shelve them. But if somebody comes in and they pull a book off the shelf and they look at it and decide they don't want it, then we have to repeat that process with oh, that book. Oh, shit. Go. Don't touch it, motherfucker. Don't you yeah. even, look, unless you know you want it, it's like you break it, you buy it. That's the whole mentality you got to have right now. Yeah. Yeah. Kids come in right now and we're just like, I don't know. Please don't. Please don't go pull off the books off the shelf. And then they're like, can I help you by putting these back? And I'm like, no, no, you can't. <laughs> you need have to leave them there so i can spray them <laughs> do you ever find yourself feeling like you're in the wrong time period because i have a secret fascination for greek mythology and roman mythology but more on the lines of greek terms where i'm like how amazing it would be to be able to experience what this was it would suck to not have indoor plumbing i will admit there's probably some positive sides to the 21st century but also i'm looking at it like the 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 belief the impressionism of it all the whole factor of that there was a, a form of belief today yeah it's good that you don't have to believe in religion as much as you used to but having a belief in something is something um 
I'm not a religious person, but I look at like the way that we've personified throughout history objects, how people talk to their cars as, oh, baby, or, you know, whatever, something always giving things personifications, always wanting this reliance of another power being there, whether it's a deity, a god or something, or whether it's just a imaginary friend. And I look at that like it makes things a little bit more exciting. It makes things where I can be like, imagine if I can compare a God to the water. There's a God of water and he has a shellfish over his dick. That is, uh, that is amazing. I love it. Like it's that whole factor of like, I think it makes life a little bit more exciting because life is pretty interesting, but everything we know about and get shown about happens to be a lot of bad information, a lot of scary stuff. And people are like, whoa, like I thought that was a conspiracy. It's like, if you look really into our history, it's not that much of a conspiracy, but this is people. We're evolving as a society and we are curious and our curiosity is our biggest factors. Like I would love to be able to find out like a lot of stuff that's talked about in religion if it was real. I want to be there when Pandora's box got opened and I want to see, I would love to see like a perfect uh, example, for instance, the four horsemen. Is that or was that or it probably wasn't real, but how amazing to be able to like have that mindset of like, this is how it became this stuff that's having that belief. And I'm like, that's the same thing you got to take in with books. When you read something, having that belief and having that fantasy is sometimes over applying to the effect of, and it really brings in the realism into life. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, they talk about how books are such an escape and they, and they really are which we all need sort of that escape right now, I think, um, with COVID. But are you a Harry Potter fan, firstly of all? I am what they call a Ravenclaw. I am what they call a Gryffindor. I just got my Harry Potter tattoo touched up yesterday. That's the, that's the one house I fucking wanted. And then the thing was like, you're a Ravenclaw. I'm like, that's like the side bitch of houses. That's not <laughs> even like a, as you could, at least they didn't give me Hufflepuff because people yeah, take that personality. People take that personality test online. And it's like, I'm a Hufflepuff. I'm like, yo, I'm pretty sure they gave out all the Griffin and uh, the Slytherin people. And then they were like, we got to start tossing out the Hufflepuff. We got one person in that. Yeah, we got to start sticking alone. people in. <laughs> Okay, so with Harry Potter, it's my favorite. I have a dog named Albus Percival Wolfric Brian Dumbledore. So I hope um, he never gets lost. I hope because <laughs> you're calling out his name, and like it's like 50 minutes later, it's like yo, he's gone. He's he's out there. He's so. a little tiny. He's a little tiny corgi with legs like this, and he's super chunky, so he's not going anywhere. <laughs> he would just walk off the porch and get too tired and just sit down. <laughs> Oh, but with with Harry Potter, it's always been my my favorite thing. When I was younger and had like a slew of um, issues with my knees, I had like terrible arthritis in my knees when I was like ten, right? And so um, I would dread going to the doctor so much. But my mom, on my way down to the uh, Shriners Hospital for Children, stopped at a gas station and bought me my very first copy of Harry Potter. Actually, it was the second book, not the first. But she she gave that to me and it um, it helped me get through that because, you know, I didn't have to just sit in the waiting room and think about they're going to stick needles into your kneecaps today. I got to focus instead on like this magical world. And so then I kind of became obsessed with that series and then with reading in general. And it gives you such an escape from 
the bad things and the boring things why I became a librarian. I want to share that sort of magic that I found with other people. As cliche as that sounds, but it's it's really true for me. First of all, Harry Potter, I've never read the books, but I love the movies. And I played the Lego video game and I got it 100% complete because I loved it that much. Um, me too. But what would you be in Harry Potter? What would you class, if you're a wizard, for instance, like I look at my, how I like to look at my life as like a little bit of a timeline in my own head. I go, how have I started when I look back at my past self? When I look at myself, like if I was going to, McReary, Time Reary will bring in Wizards of Waverly Place to toss that in with Harry Potter. But go back in time and be able to look at myself and just watch myself. How have my actions have changed to the person I am today? Back then, if you would have thrown me in a Harry Potter school, I would have been just trying to cast spells as much as possible. I would still do that. But I find my mind now would be about trying to find out the most information as possible, which I believe is the root kind of theme in harry potter is the source of magic is also in the information and the power of the person who uses it which is on the aspect of like hermione knows every spell to get everybody out of a situation on the factor of like she studies that's where the information comes from you can be thrusted upon into destiny but you can't manifest your destiny if you don't have the tools and the proper knowledge of how to do so that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And you say that you don't know if you'd be a Ravenclaw. You're totally a Ravenclaw. <laughs> <laughs> I just, wait, how, how do you classify to be a Ravenclaw though? Because it just threw me in there. And I was like, because you're up in your head, you're creative, you're this. And I'm like, I know, but I also am batshit lazy when it comes to a lot of things like getting <laughs> gas for my car. I'm like, that's next week until it's on E. And I'm like, I got to get it now. Yeah, well, I mean, you you are creative, obviously, you do, you know, you're chosen everything, and um, yeah, and then the whole sort of thirst for knowledge, but I guess that it's not always the uh, the knowledge thirsty kid that goes into Ravenclaw, so, because with Hermione, you know, she's the Gryffindor, but I don't know, what do you, what do you think that you, what house do you think that you would be in, if you could choose? I know I was, only, I was only praying for Gryffindor on the aspect of I wanted to be like the main house. Like that seems like a dominant one. But I think that's my issue with the movies a little bit too, was the house classifications. They weren't like every other superhero film or something where it was like, I didn't give you what you wanted. I gave you what you needed. And it seemed like that movie of Harry Potter, the classifications of them putting the hat on their head. They were giving them what they wanted. It seemed like everybody that was involved in Slytherin was exactly how they would be. They knew, I mean, it, I guess if you're judging people, be like, that guy's an asshole, that guy's this. That makes sense based on that thing. But like the whole Slytherin house, I'm like, you would think it might be a best fit, but wouldn't you want to suit people that wouldn't show any of those things to try and fix them or maybe change them a little bit? Like the Slytherin house was known as like the tunnel rats, the street thugs, like the bullies on the playground. I feel like if you toss Draco Malfoy in a Hufflepuff, would his whole thing shift? I don't know. And, and probably so, because Draco is one of those characters that, um, you know, later on, he kind of not really he's still he's still a jerk 
don't get me wrong he's still a jerk but he kind of finds a little bit of a way of ways to redeem himself later on but then you you look at other people in other houses so you have like peter pettigrew who's in he's in the he's in the good house you know he's he's the good babe gryffindor kid and then he ends up betraying his friends and then there's the whole thing that happens with that so i don't know it I guess that it's more complex than you originally think it is. So I don't it's, know. It's interesting. I think when you are relying that power into some people, there's obviously going to be people that are going to take advantage of it too. But I thought, yeah, with the redeeming qualities of Draco, for instance, like you could tell he wasn't trying to follow everything his dad was trying to do. Like he wasn't, you could see he was sensing the moral decision of right and wrong because deep down in his heart, you know, he wasn't a wrong person. Um, but I, I don't like know. the whole thing where he, just like the whole thing where he didn't really want Dumbledore. Yeah. That was a whole sketchy thing, too, because Snape was a good guy as well. But, like, it was all this act to get to the bigger plot. You know what I mean? Like, that's 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 what, like, if it was real, I feel like there, that, that'd be some sadistic stuff. Like, imagine crimes being committed with, like, magic and stuff. That would put a whole new effect on things. People could just right. put a wand in the middle of a store and be able to expelliarmus you into existence. Yeah, and I think that um, I'm one of those rare folks that um, everybody's like, oh, Snape, he's so sad, and it's so tragic, and he's my favorite character, and then Harry goes and names his kid after him, and I'm like, he was still a jerk. <laughs> he was still a terrible person right. to those three kids. To defend, to defend, well, he's mostly a dick to Harry, but to defend, that was a wrong two words to put in a sentence, dick and Harry. Um, but to, but to kind of stand up for him a little bit, there were visions that Harry was having when he went back in the past of his dad that was picking on Snape and it made sense of why he would have that aggression. Honestly, if I was Snape, I probably would have turned Harry into something, but he still tried to guide him for his love because he did love Harry's mom. So like there was that respect factor there. So that's where I kind of stand up for a little bit. Cause I know how people like, I mean, and honestly, all speaking, Harry was a bit of a dick too. It was just on the aspect of like, he was the main character. So you're supposed to have these redeeming qualities. But I love that Harry Potter showed that because you have a school filled of magic. You're telling me no kid's going to do a spell. It's going to break another kid's arm. No, like that, that shit's going to happen. There's going to be fights in the bathroom. There's going to be a moaning Myrtle pissed me off and scared me more than anything in the world. I was afraid to use a urinal for the <laughs> longest time because I thought that was an actual thing. I could see that to just pop her head up. <laughs> Whoa, hey, what are you yeah. doing? Yeah, you know that those kids got up to all kinds of trouble that we don't have. And you know that even just, yeah, we can duel each other with our wands, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to get into fist fights in the hallway. So I'd kind of like to see the behind the scenes of what went on in the hallways of Hogwarts, you know? I would like to um, spend a little bit more time with that invisible cloak that Harry had. Yeah, I agree with that, too. That'd be really cool. The train was honestly something I really want to experience because of Harry Potter. Like, I would love to be actually on a train that, you know, like, just to experience it. Like, I've only been on, like, maybe a short one when I was, like, really, really young. But, like, imagine exploring one that's, like, you're on it for a couple hours and you really get to sit and enjoy, like, the whole aspect of, like, every beautiful thing that's going on outside. When you get that sweet trolley lady that brings you chocolate. Yeah, that sounds great to me. <laughs> chocolate frogs. 
Have you ever had a dream about Harry Potter? Because sadly, I've had a few and I'm not that big of a Harry Potter fan, which is fucking nuts. But I think it's the magic aspect of things. I love magic. Not like David Copperfield, David Blaine style stuff, but like being able to cast a spell or be able to do that type. Breathe underwater is my dream. Like be an Aquaman. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, because there's so many cool things that you could discover. Who knows what all we know more about outer space than we do the deep parts of the oceans sad it is sad i have probably had harry potter dreams i don't tend to remember my dreams very much and so when i do um when i do they stick with me for a while but um i probably i probably i want to hear a strange one you got to give me one you looked off into outer well, space like, oh, my God, like I had this one dream that has stuck with me since I was 10 years old when I was eating clam chowder. I'm like, I need to hear it now. OK, well, this is weird. So, you know, I'm I'm Appalachian, so I'm from eastern Kentucky and um, we have, you know, like the sort of little old wives tales and stuff that, you know, they tell like um, one of them is if you dream about death, somebody's going to get pregnant sister and uh, her husband had been trying for a baby for a while but it just happened so I remember I dreamed that I attended a funeral of a really good friend I remember it vividly like what I wore um, and and everything it was terrible I never told them who they were I never will but I dreamed that I went to their funeral when I woke up the next morning I said you know I dreamed about death so my sister my sister might, might get pregnant. And that day I was sitting in uh, in the computer lab at college and she called me and she was like, we're gonna have a baby. And I was like, I already knew. I knew that you were gonna, that you were gonna call me today. So <laughs> that was probably like the strangest thing that I've ever dreamed. That's like a story I heard about a comedian. Um, her She came from like a big family and the guy's like, how the hell did your mom have like 15 kids? Cause a big Italian family. And she was like, well, my mom, her first kid was a miscarriage. And then my grandma went to the church and got on her hands and knees and prayed to God to let my mom have a kid, have a baby. And then she had 15. And it was like, that's not a fucking blessing. That's a curse. 15 <laughs> kids. Holy shit. Like I could do three, but sometimes I see like a small kid in a store and he's screaming his head off and I'm like, put him in a hot car. Like that's what my parents did. I was okay. Yeah. They're so cute when they're little and tiny and you can rock them. But when they, uh, when they start walking and screaming, then sometimes you just want to give them back to their parents. Right. It's, It's like people in the government when they start questioning or saying, no, that's when the problems come in. You're like, all right, look, you're my kid. We're going to the store. No, we're not. It's like, Oh, Oh, don't, don't do this to me today. Do this. We are going to the store and you're not getting anything. Yeah. And then you get to the store. I want this. Can I have this? Yeah. It's fun though. Maybe this is why I'm not a parent yet. <laughs> look, I remember I look at myself. I just as, have the corgi. <laughs> I look at myself as when I was a little kid and I was a hellion, but it's like, yeah, I definitely evolved into something nobody ever thought I would. And that is a failed stand-up comedian. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, with hey you're funny so i mean there's that you know there's some stand-up comedians that are not even funny so you got that going for you (laughs) true now i have to ask with your fascination in magic 
does that lead into maybe you deciding that you want to learn more about through history about the use of magic throughout history i mean it seems like yeah that's fascinating i learned from um a past guest laney uh she does the witch academic which does all about the salem witch trials i learned a lot and it's very gruesome through that but it's weird how our shift from magic has changed into today's time which is the aspect of like we hated witches we want to burn the witches and now everywhere you go on instagram somebody's baking fucking sourdough bread and in a witch i guess everywhere i look on instagram i'm like hashtag sourdough baker and then it's also hashtag witchcraft or love potions or somebody talking to me about my ancestors that have my astro sign and i'm like where do i swipe my credit card And how did we get here from where we were? That's, yeah, that is interesting to think about because when we've, I've studied the Salem witch trials for ever and ever because I'm, I was an English major in college. I have my, um, my bachelor's in English. And so I'm one of those weird people that enjoyed reading like the Nathaniel Hawthorne, um, Scarlet Letter, House of Seven Gables and um, Arthur Miller's The Crucible. So I've always enjoyed that kind of thing and uh, have sort of always studied it. And we did a, we did an episode not long ago on the show about it. So how did we get from point A <laughs> all the way over to point B? That's kind of, it is interesting. And it actually, that would be a good little podcast idea. So I may steal that and take it and run with it. It is yours to take. All I ask for is you credit the source which is my homie of course i will tupac i'm good at you know i'm a librarian i know how this works my my source is tupac so you can give it to that guy no but um, okay (laughs) if you look at like uh, because what i like to study like also ancient culture a little bit too when it comes to greek mythology i kind of dived off all right i will say i am not a scientific guy when it comes to the aspect of studying stuff i didn't pull out of like an old greek mythology textbook about ancient greek history no graphics universe the the comic company was a lot of my books when i was a kid honestly i just found out what the name of that thing was and i love those books they helped me learn so much and decided to help me reach into my own information i think that's fucking important for kids um but I learned about mind traditions as well. And it seems like there's always a way to personify things we can't really explain. And I think that like a really cool book idea or movie idea, well, to be able to how we personify people that are like spiritualists, how they can personify the elements, fire, earth, water, and whatever. If you want to go into the side ones, ice, all these other types of things, we used to classify that with our emotions. Water is blue earth is brown Mm -hmm. or green and it's like you look at that like bionicles i'll use that example i love that one there you go (laughs) stay with me now people um bionicles they came in different colors because they represented like red was fire lava or uh green was uh air and all this other type of stuff imagine if there was a way that we could or a movie for instance where we could personify these spirits and everyone has these little spirits that are based on the elements and these spirits that you pray to them the stronger they become and the more help that they have for your activities during the day such as like a gardener they would all you know pray to a statue or something but there was a green spirit that would come through and grant their harvest amazing things like this this is what i got fascinated with with mythology because that if you add that into your life or just entertain the idea of it and i'm not 
saying that means join a cult or join a religion. I'm just saying that makes shit a lot more fun. Like whenever I talk to someone who's doing uh, growing peppers or they're growing something in their garden or they're loving botany or whatever it is that happens to do with plants, they really like studying the factors of like sometimes when I'm out, you know, watering my flytrap or Venus whatever whatever ficus or something i like to entertain the idea that they can hear me that they can understand me that they can do this and that personify this type of thing and i'm like that's what makes things so damn entertaining is when you're able to add a little bit of that fantasy into it when you're well, not just fantasy but a little bit of magic i would say into it because it makes things a lot more enjoyable than just thinking on the base elements of thing where it's like i gotta water this plant then i gotta go pay these bills make it fun I'm going to go hang out with my plants for a couple of minutes and I'm going to, you know, play some motorhead. Hopefully they get vibed up or something. I have no clue. Yeah. And it makes you think it's just interesting with Greek mythology. I love Greek mythology too. Um, be having a story to explain everything like the whole story with, well, we have the winter months because uh, Persephone is in, is with Hades so she's in the underworld with Hades and her mother who is the goddess of, goddess of harvest is mourning and so everything dies he comes back then um, Demetar is happy and so now everything flowers again I like that too sort of given a story behind everything that kind of fascinates me too and it all correlates to today's times too which all these examples lead up into this which is we're always trying to explain something that seems unexplainable we're always giving a thing like, um, for instance, the pyramids. I've been having like, I've been researching a lot about that from listening to podcasts with like Graham Hancock, who studied the water erosion marks on the Sphinx, figuring out that it actually predates before sometimes even the pyramids were built. And I look at it like if they found water marks on top of the Sphinx, would it be easier to build these pyramids if it was underwater? you probably have a lot more deaths and it might be hard to keep having to come up for air, but imagine our lung capacities back then were probably, if you're doing that, it's like training your lungs. If you practice every single day, going underwater, holding your breath, your lung capacity would expand. It's like a muscle. You train it. Then you start looking at like Atlantis, for instance. I love the idea of Atlantis. I think it'd be cool, but do I think it's a underwater city? I think at one point in our history, it was a city that just the tectonic plate shifted in the earth. And next thing you know, it's sunk into the water. That makes a lot more sense because off the coast of like Australia or New Zealand, for instance, they found underwater temples. We don't know how to explain that. So that means that it must've obviously sunk in from all the dramatic earth changing things. I think that sort of thing is interesting too. Just the sort of what ifs. I guess that I'm interested in the unexplainable things that you want to know, well, why is this the way that it is? But we we can't really figure it out. And that's what makes it fascinating is that mystery. Like the whole thing with um, Oak Island, for example, and you know the digging that they're doing there. Maybe it's the Templar treasure. Well, who built this massive booby-trapped hole on this island? Well, maybe it was this these people or these people. And do I think that we'll ever find out? Probably not. But just the mystery of it is what I am interested in. And Lanus is the same way. What's interesting that I'm kind of thinking about is like, imagine someone who spent their life researching that one thing and then finding it, going to the place and discovering it and then finding out the answer. 
that feeling of emptiness after it's been discovered because i feel a lot of the times it's the build-up that's the most fun it's that am i going to solve this mystery but then once you solve it you're like damn that what's my next one to go after and what do i do now hmm i guess that once you complete your end goal no matter what that end goal is what do you do after that end goal that's right. People are the same way with a lot of things. Screw motivational things where they say make an obtainable goal. Make it so damn impossible that you'll never be able to attain it. That's my <laughs> life motto. I make something that it's obtainable, but the end goal is impossible because that means I'll keep striving ever so hard to reach that end goal, which is never going to be obtained. I want wings of an angel. Well, you have to die. Well, I guess I'm going to have to work until I'm dead. Bam. Yep. Facts fixed. My brain has solved the universe. You're welcome. Yeah. See, there you go. Like the whole thing, like New Year's resolutions. I want to lose. Let's say that somebody wants to lose 50 pounds. Okay. What happens when you lose the 50 pounds? Are you just going to start eating and gain the 50 pounds back? Like, what's your, what's your end goal? Why can't you just make the end goal of, I want to be healthier and let's not worry about the weight. Like, the weight would come naturally with that, but you would also have a goal to keep striving towards. I like to have a goal. I can't just, I'm not one of those people that can just sit and do nothing. It's impossible for me. So I like to have um, a purpose and a plan and something that I want to accomplish. I think the issue is when people set, when people think of setting a goal, that's like unrealistic. People set a goal, like for, my birthday's New Year's Eve. So I hate fucking New Year's. Um, cause that means my birthday's over. Uh, but the aspect of like, I work like at a gym, but I also have spent a lot of my time around that. And whenever January is the busiest month, uh, a little bit that in around November, it kind of gets a little bit busier because people want to, you know, I got to work off so I can have that Thanksgiving dinner. It's like, it's not how it works. Um, I think it's when you put a goal for like 50 pounds, 60 pounds or something, it sounds obtainable. It's really fucking difficult if you're not going twice a day, because by the time you want to give up, you're not close to that. And then you think you're never going to make it and it throws you in a depression spiral. So set an obtainable goal or set an unobtainable one with life. I just bit my tongue if you didn't notice. Um, <laughs> but set an unobtainable one about like life. I want to have $80 billion. It's so freaking unrealistic. That is like, okay. Good luck with that. But that means I'm never going to be hurt that I'm not there yet. So I can keep striving my hardest to get there without worrying about a time thing. Because that's all what life is. Time is something I've been obsessed with also. It's this thing constructed by man. And at any moment, it could be gone. Not just in your life, but in the world's life. That they literally have a doomsday clock. There is a clock with all the worldwide political and global events and disasters that have happened that have speed up or added time to the clock. That literally is our doomsday. When is the apocalypse going to hit? Nuclear bombs being dropped. All these factors that are going on around you and people want to worry about a gas bill. I'm like, guys, time is this irrelevant thing. Stop acting like you don't have enough of it and start using what you got. It's the hours in the sand glass. It's life's kind of like that. And it's also like the magic eight ball. You sit there and you shake it. It's like, ask again, fucking later. You're like, I want my answer now. Like, you know, it's, 
it's very interesting. I don't have any answers to the world. I don't know what life is, but whatever you feel like you're doing is the perfect fit for it. We have in, in this society that we live in now, there, I just said the word. We, we live in a society of now. I don't want to wait. I want what I want right now. And we live in an age where everything that we want, you know, if you want to find something out, here it is now. If you want to your house because you're too lazy to go and get it, like myself, I do that a lot. You can do that now. If you want to be entertained, just pick this up and here it is now at your fingertips. But that sort of, I think that makes, we've learned to be a society of now and not a society of just chill out and wait. We have the time. Just don't, don't expect everything to be handed to you. And there's a lot you can tell by the topics you talk about in your podcast too throughout history. That's been our biggest mistake is wanting it now or wanting it too fast. It's, it's, it's this mistake we've always made throughout history is we want that thing. We want it now. We can't wait. And even though so many things in our past could easily be better and maybe influenced in today, if we just would have waited, if we would have just had this safety factor or uh, spent more time developing something, all these disasters. What's interesting to me is the fact of Chernobyl, for instance. A lot of people know about it, a global nuclear meltdown of a power plant. Did you know that power plants' lifespans, like their time period of surviving is only really 31 years until they need a new power plant. Do you know that half of the stuff that we're still using power plant wise is past 31 years? It's another event waiting to happen. It's something that is something against my point of waiting. It is something like, hey, you need to kind of work on this now. But it's a thing of like, we're too stuck up into the clouds of this perfect end image and we're not paying attention to the bricks that we're laying down because then it's like the scene from cars where we have to re-go over the road we did initially because we did it too fast and it's too bumpy right but we and to sort of go back and piggyback off of the thought of wanting it now and not wanting to wait but even with things like the power plants but we don't have to want to have to wait to build this new big power plant fancy facility when we have this one and it's not so safe, but we can use it right now because it's already here. Are you telling me I can use it? It right doesn't now? matter that it's not so safe, but it's right here. Wait, wait, you're saying I can use it right now? Right now, right like, now. Like, like Tebow, I don't have to pause and come back? No, you can use it right now. <laughs> I think... You know, you could probably tell about, you know, especially being a librarian too, being around that much information as well too. Everything is getting translated into right now and everything's getting translated into technology. If I could ask you, what's one thing that you would like to uncover? One thing you would like to see that might've been lost? What would you say? Because for me, I would love to find out what's in the Vatican archives. Mostly the trials of Galileo. I would love to learn more about his house arrest his house arrest, um, 
And I would also like to know about the the, the uh, great burning of Alexandria, the fire, the bookcases and things. I would like to be able to know what was in that. Was it a bunch of people just drawing pictures of dicks and putting it in books and putting it on the shelf? Or was it actually valuable information that might have secrets to things that are recorded? This is why history is recorded into text, because we need to know where we come from and we need to have an understanding of the past because you'll never make room for change for the future. Alexandria is actually what I was going to say. I would love to know. Uh, I would love to know what was in the archive at, at Alexandria. If I could personally go into a place and explore, I would love to get into the Vatican archives myself, just to see what I could find. I'm, that would be like. I'm waiting. That would be fascinating for some person to be able to hack because um, I read in like 2017. What they're doing is they're translating all the Vatican archive books into um, files for like a, a software to put on like a software in case there isn't a giant fire again or something. They have it all because I was thinking like, hmm, what's the best way to get the information out of the Vatican archives? And it was like you have to study under the religion, study under this stuff for like a certain amount of years, get your degrees, which is like 15 years right there. Then go to each school of uh, whatever the uh, chain that they have. Then you have to get a recommendation from each of the head priests there to be able to look in there. And you only get to observe while you're under watch for like three hours. And I'm like, that's a lot of work for that amount of time. So like, they're translating 6.5, I think, million pages of their article or whatever their archive a year. And they say that it might be finished in like the next 15 years. So you're like, how many fucking books are down there? But like, I'm waiting for that to be all uploaded somewhere where they go, some dude's just going to hack it and leak it out on the internet. Like yeah. JFK's assassination, UFOs are real. Well, they already admitted that, but like aliens and all this stuff. I'm like, let's do it. Now they found water on the moon. Can we get a book on that, please? Buzz Aldrin, write it. Yeah, there's like a hacking wedding to happen with that. that that's going to be interesting to see. With Alexandria, you know, they're always like, oh, the great library at Alexandria and all of its wealth of knowledge. Well, how do we know? Like, I want to know what was in the library's answer to all of the questions of life. Or like you said, is it just going to be some dude that was sitting down like this is this is how we draw the male anatomy right here. Yeah, I'd like to know too. I feel like they're either keeping that information for a reason that we might not be able to handle the truth. But I feel like with social media, it's putting so much exposure, it's exposing all of that anyway. So I'm like, you might as well just tell us now and just have that period where like, all right, 2020 was when the whole world went to shit, but it didn't continue into 2021, didn't continue into 2022, didn't continue like down the line, like the longer they keep dragging out, like, up oh, here's this little bit of information, here's this little bit of information. I'm like, you're really, you're ripping off that bandaid slowly. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah. Mm. I'd like to know too. It's, uh, it's just interesting. It's interesting to me, that wealth of knowledge that there's no way that we could ever, I guess, really know what was in Alexandria, what's in the Vatican. But just, I guess the researcher in me just kind of finds the mystery of it fascinating. I just want to know. It's society and human nature for want to know more. It's that curiosity factor. That's what keeps us doing crazy shit. And it's what keeps us doing stuff that's progressing us farther and farther into the future. And I look, I know you're on your 
break from lunch and everything too. I appreciate that. Um, please promote your podcast, promote where people can find it. Why is it called history by idiots? You guys seem pretty smart or you do at least, I don't know about Josh is his name. That's his name. He's yeah. He's quite, he's questionable. No. <laughs> so we are history told by idiots. The reason that we're called that is because we like to, we'll take a topic and regardless of whether I know, or he knows anything about it or nothing about it, or, you know, whatever the knowledge level is, we like to pretend like we know nothing about it. So we can build it from the ground up. That way there's an understanding for, for everybody. Um, you know, like I could launch into a detailed explanation of I'm a librarian. Let's talk about mark records and how in the non for non field it is where you put in, you know, your blah, blah. So I could I could launch into that. But it's because I know something about it that lets me be able to understand it. So if we build up a topic from the ground up, then it's something that everybody can listen to, understand and enjoy. Um, that's kind of why we took the approach of history told by idiots. And we like to say, too, that we're not history told by scholars. So you'll hear mistakes and mispronunciation because, you know, we're just two people that are recording the show because we love history and like to tell other people about it. So you can find us um, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, anywhere that you can find a podcast. We're there uh, at History Told by Idiots. And then we're on Facebook and Instagram at History by Idiots. We have a Patreon account, just like everybody else usually does nowadays. So if, if you want more information, like feel free to get on one of our socials and send us a message. I always respond to everything that we get. So we're around. Just look for us and you'll find us. If you see an emu with a rabbit riding on the back of it. The best, that's the best logo ever. <laughs> is perfect i'll make sure i link everything in the description and thank you for listening to this episode of out of the blank hey thanks for checking out the podcast if you want to visit itunes or apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcast rate review subscribe and even share the show helps me out leave me a little something like a little message about oregano or domino's pizza or how papa john's is evil thanks for checking out out of the blank podcast